Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. What is happening, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. Wait for it. Wait for it. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah. And man, it feels so good to be talking to everybody. Schedules have been a little crazy to kick off 2024, to say the least. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. But we are still bringing you the content. We are not taking any time off. You are still getting your sports fix via the ODPH podcast. And we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you. So, Pat, where does everybody go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website. Join the social media accounts. And even on a quick side note, why is everybody posting about Blue Sky on Twitter all of a sudden? Uh, because it went public. You, ah. you no longer need an invitation key to get into Blue Sky. That is why he is a statistician to the stars, because I did not know this. I saw everybody posting pictures, so I'm like, okay, here we go. But if you want to talk to us on Blue Sky, talk to us on Blue Sky. We're there. Talk to us on Threads, which is picking up like wildfire right now. Yeah, that talk, happens. Talk to us there, too. Talk to us on any social media account, because we like to have those conversations in between shows with everybody. And also, we like to talk about the T-Public store, which is always doing some big business, I got to say. Self-bragging a little bit, maybe, but we are just very thankful that everybody wants to go support the show in that manner. It's a good place to spend your uh, holiday cash. Very, very true. You got any cash for Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate? Another great place to spend it is the Patreon. One tier, $2 a month. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. They have a page on their own on the website. So if you want to go see who's the amazing super fans of the ODPH, it's right there at your fingertips. Also, check out the blog section. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 830,923. I don't doubt him. He's on top of this, folks. Also, check out the classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games, 3FN Podcast, Nerd Initiative. Lots of things happening over there, folks. Mm -hmm. That's why the link is right there on the front page as well. Also, the music section where you can find the bands that provide the music that you hear on each and every edition of the ODPH, such as Brian Wolf and the Howlers. Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, Shout at the Robots, and many, many more. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And if you're using hashtags, well, remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, Pad, mm -hmm. what time of year is it? Uh, it's almost the Super Bowl. Yes, it is. The biggest game in NFL's season, mm -hmm. the biggest sporting event in North America. Biggest television event in uh, North America, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. We have, a final, we have finally arrived at the dance, mm -hmm. if you will. Two teams are left standing after a very interesting season and even crazier playoffs. Mm -hmm. In one corner, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, uh, A.K.A. the Kansas City Swifties. Yes, powered by the music of Taylor Swift in some people's eyes, but more importantly, powered by the arm of Patrick Mahomes and the players surrounding him, such as Travis Kelsey, and the defensive coordinator to the stars himself, Steve Spagnuolo. Mm -hmm. Andy Reid and company do help out there, but let's be honest. Yeah. This playoff series has really been ran by those three individuals. Pretty much. And they have really excelled when they had an offseason in comparison to the previous years. It has not been the dominant Kansas City Chiefs of old. No. 
This team has struggled this entire season to get to where they are. I won't say they lucked themselves into the Super Bowl. You know, luck obviously plays a part in it, but like they still had to go out and win those games. And it's not like egregious things were happening in all of their games that like normally knock out lights out kickers were missing field goals and you know lockdown defenders were all of a sudden forgetting which route they were supposed to run leading to a kansas city touchdown like obviously the chiefs ended up playing better than the teams they faced but this has not been exactly you know the john Phillips sousa marching band high stepping it into the end zone you know walk in the park that they're used to mm-hmm. no it definitely is not i mean they got out to a great start against miami in the playoffs mm-hmm. Uh, they pulled off an upset against Buffalo, which, I mean, I think Buffalo gave them that game. I have gone on record to say that, and I stand mm-hmm. by that. And then the complete and utter mental collapse mm-hmm. of Baltimore, the number one seed in the AFC, oh. has allowed Kansas City to go back to the Super Bowl and try achieving the one word that greatness is associated with, dynasty. Mm-hmm. Opposing them representing the National Football Conference, is a team that we had picked to get to the Super Bowl. Oh, well, two-thirds of us did. Two-thirds of us did for the ODPH team. And they were built to win and built to win now under the leadership of general manager John Lynch Mm -hmm. and a certain head coach looking for a little redemption. Mm -hmm. And who is that, Pat? Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. And they have built to probably, on paper, the best football team on both sides of the ball. Mm, that we've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Nick Bosa have really elevated that side and really made him a force. <laughs> yep. And on the offensive side, we've always known George Kittle. Who? We've always known Debo Samuel. Who? And we have now seen the emergence led by one Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. of a quarterback to get out of being Mr. Irrelevant uh-huh. and possibly Mr. Super Bowl. Well, he currently is the lowest ranked uh, quarterback or lowest drafted, excuse me, quarterback to start a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Unless they add more rounds to the Super Bowl, nobody's ever going to beat that record. Mm-hmm. And if he wins on Sunday, will be the lowest drafted quarterback to win a Super Bowl and will forever hold that record. Uh, unless they, like I said, add another round to the draft. Right. And that is one Brock Purdy. To see the San Francisco 49ers make their run in being the number one seed in the NFC, mm-hmm. first round by, but their road to the finals has not been easy. Figured they were showing. You know, early in the season, parts of the season, you know, looking as dominant as they did, the absolute shellacking they put on the uh, Eagles uh, in the early part of December mm-hmm. uh, comes to mind immediately. What You know, was not as dominant as we would have thought. No, facing the Green Bay Packers in the second round of the playoffs and sneaking out a win 24-21. to And this was a game the Packers could have won. Mm-hmm. But... Their inexperience came back to haunt them at the worst time. Jordan Love made a very ill-timed interception, and this was a situation where the 49ers showed they've been here before, they know what they're doing, and obviously almost getting to the Super Bowl last year Mm -hmm. really came into play. Mm -hmm. And then they had their toughest test to date, the Cinderella story that captured the hearts of NFL fans and more or less pop culture in general. Anyone outside of the Bay Area. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is the Detroit Lions, who made a valiant run mm-hmm. to the NFC Championship 
and unfortunately came up short, yep. having a second half collapse of oh. epic proportion mm-hmm. and ill-timed judgment. Yeah, when bravery really went ahead of logic mm-hmm. and cost them a game because they could have easily have won this game. So now the stage is set for February 11th, mm-hmm. Las Vegas, Nevada, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. We have the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a real test of wills. This is going to be a great game on paper. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, I mean, how do you break this down? Uh, well, first, I think you got to look at the line and how things are looking right now as we record. And uh, this is provided to us courtesy of the folks at ESPN Bet. Uh, so, right now, the, well, first, the line opened at uh, San Francisco minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. It is now San Francisco by minus one and a half. Uh, and then you've got the over under at 47 and a half uh, points. I'm going to say take the under on that one. Uh, in terms of the breakdown on this, I mean, you look at the offenses, both are all <clears throat> dynamic offenses. Sure, Kansas City is not the dynamic offense they've had in years past, but they're still pretty damn good. They've still got Patrick Mahomes, who is one of the best, if not the best quarterback on the field right now. You can certainly have that discussion. You've got Travis Kelsey, who is in the conversation for one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Again, whether he's in first place or not for you, you can have that discussion. Mm-hmm. But then you've also got the other factors around him, the other receivers who they're not Tyreek Hill, but they're serviceable. Yes. And then on the flip side, you've got the Kansas, the uh, San Francisco 49ers who Brock Purdy, who not the most electric player, you know, he's good. He, you know, he's, he, he's a very good game manager. He'll certainly win some games for you. My opinion, it helps to have around him who he has around him. Absolutely. Because when you have the dynamic Christian McCaffrey, who is absolutely in you know MVP consideration, even if he's not one of the final three, four, however many it is they, they give out for that award, you know, he's got Christian McCaffrey with him, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, who doesn't get talked about a lot mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, tight end conversations. He obviously, you know, uh, Rob Gronkowski gets brought up and uh, Tony Gonzalez gets brought up. Antonio Gates gets brought up. You know, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey obviously gets brought up. And, and Mark Andrews from uh, Baltimore gets brought up a lot. Jason Witten from years past. Dallas Clark from years past. You know, but Kittle oftentimes is forgotten a little bit, I feel like. So in terms of the offenses, I think right now I got to give my, if I'm giving check marks or favoritism points, I got to give it to San Francisco just because it's it's a multi-headed hydra monster of offense that it's not, it's not like we've said for Kansas City for most of the season. Mm-hmm. Shut down Travis Kelsey and force the other players to step up. Sure, you're going to get you know Pacheo to step up and, and Rice to step up, but then it gets very suspect past that. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling didn't really show up, at least in my opinion, until the playoffs. Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony, enough said. Enough <laughs> said. Look at the Buffalo game in the regular season yep. where he blew the greatest play in NFL history because he was offsides and, and gave the most bullshit excuse as to why he didn't realize it and all this other nonsense, go back and listen to our episode. I'm not going to break it down. Right, right. You know, but if I got to give, you know, if I got to pick who I'm liking, you know, in terms of between the two offenses, I got to say San Francisco. This is very, very close. Mm -hmm. I think a lot closer than fans might realize. If you break down the quarterbacks, Mahomes versus Purdy. Mahomes is better, in my opinion. You have to go with Mahomes. You have to. Purdy's good, but it helps who he has around him. Right. But Mahomes, 
is been, has been here before, and I think the experience factor is, uh-huh. a, is, is key. Uh-huh. However, when you go to the skills positions, Christian McCaffrey, and I've said this numerous times, is the MVP. Mm-hmm. He's in the final. I, I think I don't think they've officially released the final vote. I've seen a couple things online. Right. Anyway, according to the ODPH, because honestly that's the only one that matters to me, it is Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. He defines that offense, and if he is not going, they are struggling. Uh, so according to this article from NFL.com, I uh, did some digging. Uh, this is dated January 25th of this year. Uh, the AP Most Valuable Player finalists are uh, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, and Christian McCaffrey, the San Francisco 49ers running back. This is the AP Most Valuable Player Awards. So, Well, I mean, that is a, a very solid list, mm-hmm. but still, it's McCaffrey. It has to be. It has to be. I mean, I don't think you can go otherwise. He is really the the one that kicks everything off for this offense. The only thing I think that could potentially throw a monkey wrench into this, if you will, mm. is I don't know if they do. I, I know the Major League Baseball Awards, uh, the writers have to turn in their ballots for who they think wins the awards before the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the awards aren't announced until after the World Series is over, but regardless... Uh, postseason does not factor into it. I don't know if NFL does this does it the same way, but that could factor into things. If if this is strictly a based on regular season performance, well, you have to consider that into play too. And I mean, the vote can go either way if it's oh, regular yeah. season. But you have to take a look at who's been productive in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And McCaffrey won them the game against Detroit. Yeah, he got them going. Granted, Brandon Ayuk had one of the greatest catches of Ooh. all time. Yeah, but it was still. McCaffrey getting in the end zone, him getting everything moving. I like him better than Pacheo. Yeah, for for being more of a, da- a dynamic, you know, playmaker. I do too, and I think that that is going to outweigh a lot, even with the receiver core. Uh, you know, you take a, a breakdown. I like Ayuk and Samuel a mm-hmm. lot better than I do Kansas City. I do too. Kelsey is great. Kittle is right there with him. Mm-hmm. But think about it: how many times, has, in comparison? As teams game plan strictly for Kittle, not often. Well, early on before he early, got some help, yeah. Early on, yeah. Early on before he had some help, obviously, but lately not as much. Like he'll factor into the game plan, and they'll certainly game plan for him. They're not going to leave him with a blank page. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's not nearly as large of a playbook, so to speak, as Kelsey gets. Right, but but Kelsey is literally their team, and you hit yeah. it right on the head at the beginning. You stop him, you stop their offense, pretty much. I would say if you got beat by a Rasheed Rice, that's one thing. Hey, your defense sucked. You got beat by an MVS, that's another thing. But if you let Kelsey beat you, you know it's happening. Uh-huh. And the only thing you can do is slow him down, Yeah. which you can do. I fully think the 49ers defense can do it. Mm-hmm. Will they? That's a whole different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking at the comparisons on, on paper, there is – you know, a favoritism towards San Francisco about this. Sure. But it just depends on how Brock Purdy plays. Mm-hmm. And you've seen him not play as sharp in these playoffs. That's correct. So that's going to be the ultimate question mark involving this. I mean, that's one of the things you see you get with the Super Bowl is you just don't know. You think you know. 
But then you get to game time and you just don't know what's going to happen. You know I mean, remember back to, I forget the Super Bowl number, but it was Broncos versus the uh, Seahawks, mm-hmm. where it was Russell Wilson versus Peyton Manning. And Manning just laid a goose egg. Yeah. And, and Denver ended up losing the game and, and Seattle ended up winning the game. If you'd have told me the week prior or even the day of that game, you know, you time travel back and tell me, here's what's going to happen in the game. Here, Peyton Manning's going to lay an absolute goose egg, lay an absolute stinker of a game. Because let's face it, that game sucked by halftime. Yeah. You know, I would have said you're fucking nuts and out of your mind. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the thing. You just don't know. No, you don't know. And that is going to be something when Purdy is challenged. Mm-hmm. He's going to need to really stay focused. He's He can't get rattled. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to really be sharp with his passes. And he's going up against one of, if not the greatest defensive minds of this century. Yeah, Spagnola is playoff tested. Spagnolo shut down the Patriots with Brady in the prime, you know, offensive years in the Super Bowl twice. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the Giants. I got no love for the Giants. I love it when the Giants lose, and I love it when they suck. Sorry, Giants fans and Coach Duffy is what it is. But I got all the respect in the world for Spagnolo. Because to call up the defenses he did in those two Super Bowls and to come up with the game plan he did, especially in the 2007, in the 2007 season, yeah. where nobody could that season. A couple teams came closer, notably the Baltimore Ravens. I remember that game vividly. Mm-hmm. You know, But to come up with the defense he did and to figure out the game plan and to shut them down, I got nothing but respect for that, man. And, and that's going to be the challenge for San Francisco and their offenses. Can you pick apart? Spagnolo's defense because this is Spags on two weeks notice and, yeah. ar- and arguably maybe two and a half. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the ultimate test, and that is going to be a real challenge for a Kansas City team that's not known for their defense. Mm-hmm. That they have really, I don't want to say bend but don't break, but that other than the Dolphins game in this playoffs, yeah, they've had some decent defenses in the past, but certainly not this year. No, right, they have not been as sharp. Right. And they have let up a lot of points. They're not oh. – I wouldn't call them a lockdown defense by any stretch of the imagination. No. I mean, they have Chris Jones, and he's always key. Uh, case in point, look at the first game of the season, and then look at the second. Right. And and specifically the highlights. Mm-hmm. But you can't really say other than Jones, who's really been a playmaker on this defense. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. Did Buffalo have some bad plays? Yeah, absolutely. Did Baltimore? Oh, hands down. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that this defines them as a lockdown defense right? in comparison to no. the 49ers. No. The 49ers are going to do the one thing that I think Kansas City does not like and really didn't have a difficult time with in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and that is they're going to get hit right in the mouth. Mm-hmm. 49ers play very, very physical, very smash mouth. Yeah. The Ravens usually do, but like I say, they had a mental – hiccup of epic proportion they chose the worst time to mm-hmm. lay a goose egg mm-hmm. and the bills bills were banged up mm-hmm. and the players out there really got caught up in their own head oh yeah i mean you, i mean when you're down pretty much your entire starting linebacking core yeah not good no it's not so i think that that's going to be the ultimate test and if they can get to patrick mahomes early mm-hmm. he gets rattled oh yeah he does and he, you've seen it yep and he really falters the, and, I, and i think the blueprint is out there how to beat Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals did it a couple years ago when they beat them in the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Buccaneers did it, you know, within the last couple of years when they beat the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. You know, and, and obviously you look at any of the games they've lost in the regular season. Yeah. The blueprint is out there. This isn't some mystical 
mythic team like the 07 Patriots where, oh, my God, nobody's been able to figure them out. They're scoring at will. Their defense is unstoppable. You know, we, we just can't figure them out. We, we don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's blueprints out there. No. You know, you just got to execute it and second half adjustments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that that's where the 49ers are really going to test them in the first half. The second half, that's my bubble right there. Uh, that's Kyle Shanahan's bubble. Right. Well, that's going to be to three. It's, it's going to be the test for him about how he can rebound because if they're out to a big lead, don't and, stop running the ball. And you have Greenlaw and you have Warner swarming Patrick Mahomes and making sure Kelsey gets his yards, but he doesn't get enough. Right. The 49ers have a legit shot to win this. Well, you got to figure there's going to be at least one linebacker for San Francisco on a QB spy. Oh, you have to. Most, if not every play. You know, and then and then you got to figure there's going to be at least one other linebacker sticking to t- Travis Kelsey like glue. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. They're they're not going to mess around with it. No. I think if anything they're going to be the most prepared team to yeah. face yeah. the Chiefs this year. Yeah. It just depends on how they show up and they can execute early cuz they have to set the pace early. I mean, cuz the one thing working in San Francisco's benefit is they've already faced a dynamic team this season mm-hmm. and they beat the holy hell out of them and that was the Philadelphia Eagles. You had they went you think about it. They went up against a quarterback who is dynamic, who can both run with his legs and pass with his arms. Mm-hmm. In in Jalen Hurts, yeah, hi, Patrick Mahomes can do the same thing. They went up against you know. Now I'll, I'll admit the receiving court isn't the same, but still, you know, you've got Travis Kelsey on on the the Kansas City side of things, and you've also got Pacheco and Rice. Yeah, and then you've got the vaunted you know. Uh, Philly uh, receiving core they've got there with uh, AJ Brown and, and those guys, you know. But you look at what the uh, 49ers were able to do in that game, and it was a pretty goddamn good game plan for that. Can I now? Am I saying you could replicate that one for one from you know the, the Eagles to the Chiefs? No, but you can certainly t- I think take aspects of that and go, hey, that worked for for Philly. This might work for Kansas City. Yeah, Steve Wilkes is going to definitely show up and be ready for mm-hmm. this. So. It all comes down to special teams. I mean, yeah. I, I do like Bunker a little bit as a Bunker, kicker. Yeah, I, I do too. I had him in fantasy. Yeah, I like him a little better yeah. than the 49ers kicker. Yeah. And then, I mean, weighing everything together, Pad, who you got? I'm going to take San Francisco just because the other – listen, I, I respect Kansas City. I respect Patrick Mahomes and what he's doing, as I've said on previous episodes. It's weird for me to see what Kansas City is doing because it's the other side of the coin from what the Patriots did for 20 years, so I'm getting to see a perspective I didn't think I would get to. But one of the last remaining vestiges the the Patriots have is they're the last team in the NFL to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Mm -hmm. They did it 2000, what was it, 2004, 2005. Nobody has repeated since. If Kansas City does that, they'll have repeated. I don't want the Patriots to lose that, at least not yet. So... I don't want to see Kansas City win. I want to see the Patriots hold on to that. Plus, I think San Francisco is a better team. I'm going to say San Francisco, and I'm going to say 35-29. Okay. <sighs> this is tough because you want my heart pick or do you want my head pick? Well, your heart pick San Francisco, your, or, uh, your, your head picks Kansas City. Yeah. My heart does belong in San Francisco. Because I fully think if this team plays up to its ability, this is going to be a very one-sided game. Could be. But it all depends on two factors, and that's what I feel is the big question mark. One, Brock Purdy versus Steve Spagnola. I think that that chess match is going to be 
a really telling tale, especially in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Because I fully think that if Purdy gets out to a big lead, they're going. San Francisco is not going to mess this up. Right. I'm sorry. Like I say, I'm getting so excited about it. I'm, I'm messing up my words here. They'll give the ball to McCaffrey and they'll let him run. Oh yeah. But if it turns out that Purdy is getting pressured, the offensive line is having a shaky game, then I fully think Mahomes is going to try airing it out quickly. And if it turns into a shootout, Purdy's in trouble. San Francisco's in trouble. The other factor is going to be the San Francisco 49er defense. Mm-hmm. Because if you've let Jordan Love and Jared Goff mm-hmm. tear you up for two or four quarters, actually, two halves. Right. Because it's always been the first half. Yep. What are you going to do against Patrick Mahomes? Oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to rip you apart like it's your wet uh, tissue paper. Exactly. So the 49ers have the most pressure on them, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. K- Kansas City does have pressure because the dynasty factor, if you buy into the whole Taylor Swift thing, sure. Oh, yeah. But I fully think this is going to be the true test to see if San Francisco is really built for this. And I want to say they are. I really do. But I'm a little scared to say they're going to lock this in. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for them. I want, I want to stress this. But what I feel is if it comes down to late minute or late quarter dramatics, can San Francisco close on Patrick Mahomes? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I have this weird sinking suspicion they can't. Mm. I think this is going to be a game of literal minutes, and we're talking fourth quarter shenanigans. Could be. I wouldn't mind, you know, another Adam Vinatieri-esque game-winning kick. It's been a while since we've had one of those. See, I could see an unlikely player do something here. Sure. Like Rasheed Rice. Sure, sure. Who has been the most consistent receiver for Patrick Mahomes this year. Yeah. But they can't let him have time, and they can't let him have focus. San Francisco needs to hit Mahomes early and take him out of rhythm. Mm-hmm. If they can do this, they got it in there. But I just have the sinking suspicion that for whatever reason – Call it Shanahan having deja vu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you start having that lead, and if you start seeing Kansas City come back, yeah, yeah, they're going to be faulty. I could see this being a thirty-four twenty-seven game. Mm, okay, I'm, but granted, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I mean, so you're thinking, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody had, like you said, somebody mysterious has a huge step up game. I mean, yeah, a, a la Dion Branch against the Eagles in 2004, you know, where he put up 133 yards receiving. Yeah. Or, or you had, you know, uh, what was it, Ty Law? Or no, Rodney Harrison had the two interceptions. Brewski had the one against. So McNabb threw three interceptions in one game. Mm-hmm. Something like I wouldn't be surprised if something like that. No, that's what I say. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm just going to say it's 34-27 Kansas okay. City. Okay. I, but I want to stress this. I really want to stress this. Okay. I hope I am wrong. No, I do too. But I, Like I said, I respect Kansas City. Yeah. I, re- I respect Patrick Mahomes. It's it's wild to see them do what they're doing, but I, I don't want to see him win another one. It just depends on if 
San Francisco can punch out Mahomes early. Because, mm-hmm. like I say, if you can take him out early. If you can you, rattle him, yeah. If you can rattle him, you got him. But if Purdy is down, if it's 14 nothing at the end of the first half mm-hmm. or first quarter, I'd be a little worried. Yeah. Because that means Kansas City is starting to click. Mm-hmm. And if they get the ball moving, it's going to be a long day. But let's hope I'm wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we gave you our picks. ODPH Society, hit us up with yours. Hashtag ODPH Pod. It's the Super Bowl. Who you got? Let's talk about it, shall we? But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week, we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And, well, (laughs) we have to talk about it. Yeah, we do. I was going to say, Pat, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Boy, the elephant in the room. Yes. Or should I say the Brahma bull in the room? Yeah. WrestleMania season and the WWE has gotten very, very interesting. If you're a pro wrestling fan, it's not even a week. It's been five days. It it feels like an eternity. Mm Mm-hmm. Ever since the Royal Rumble happened and Mm -hmm. the fans were overjoyed Uh that the American Nightmare, something, something Cody Rhodes, punched his ticket to face the great one himself, Roman Reigns. What, who do you think I was talking about? (laughs) At WrestleMania, everybody came electrified at the news. But... Something happened Friday night. Well, something happened the weekend after May, uh, the Rumble. Because there, there's a little bit of build into this. Uh, so the weekend after the Rumble took place, there were some rumors and some speculation, if you will, that uh, CM Punk, who was the last person eliminated uh, by one Cody Rhodes to win said Royal Rumble, that he had been injured uh, in the Royal Rumble match. Mm. And there was speculation about where it took place, and fans thought they figured out, you know, when they went back and watched the uh, replay or the the broadcast that was posted onto Peacock or the WWE Network, if you're overseas, where it took place. And everyone's like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what's up. Then the speculation started to, and the rumors started coming out that he was injured and he was going to need, he got a, a torn, uh, what was it, torn, it was the same thing Cody had. Torn tricep. Thank you, torn tricep. And then he was going to miss WrestleMania. And everyone was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Because after the Rumble took place, everyone, ourselves included, were like, all right, we're going to get Cody versus Roman. Mm-hmm. Going to get CM Punk versus uh, uh, Seth Rollins. Yep. And then we're going to fill in the rest of the card as we go. You know, uh, and, and then Monday hit after the rumors and Punk confirmed, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to miss WrestleMania. And uh, that means I'm not going to be able to. Make the show. Sorry, guys. You know, but I he promised he'd come back. So that then led a pivot from creative and from the storytellers in WWE that uh, Rollins came out that same night and made a plea to Cody Rhodes and said, hey, or maybe this is the week after. I don't remember. Uh, but he made a plea to Cody, said, hey, listen, you know, why go after Roman's belt? That's not the belt your father would have wanted you to go after. 
Go after the workhorse belt, the blue collar belt, the belt that your father would have loved, you know, the workman's belt, mm. you know, the one that's being defended 10 times more than uh, 10 times more a year than Roman Reigns is defending, you know, go after my belt, you know, challenge me at WrestleMania. And, and Cody said, I'll take it under consideration, which at the time I thought, and I know others thought, you know what? That's a polite way of telling him no. Well, he made a compelling case for it. Well, he did. I'll give I'll give Seth that, you know, but it, to me, it felt like, you know, he's like, I'm going to make my announcement on uh, SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the end of SmackDown last week where uh, Roman comes out and he's trash talking Seth. He's trash talking Cody and this, that and the other. Cody comes out and he says, hey, listen, you know, I, I won the Rumble and I, and I want to finish the story. But does the story mean taking the belt from you or does it mean taking away everything from you? And, I, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, and then he said, you know, I, I took a lot of counsel this week. And one of the people I took counsel, with, you know, took counsel with, you know, knows you very well. And I'm not going to face you at WrestleMania, but I'm going to face you very soon. And then he mentioned the whole bit of taking counsel. And uh, then the Rocks music hit. Yep. And Dwayne Johnson came out and uh, embraced Cody in the ring once he made his way down to the down to the ring. And, and Cody walked out. And Rock and Roman stood there as the show went to black. Yeah, it was an interesting setup because when Cody said, I'm going to take everything from you, but just not at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. the internet was puzzled. Yeah, yeah. Many fans were puzzled. That's one way to put it. I was puzzled. I was. Because obviously we we had known The Rock had placed a big Easter egg, if you will, mm-hmm. a couple of Raws ago, mm-hmm. saying that you want to sit at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. And we were not really sure what was going to happen there, but with Cody winning the Rumble, everything kind of got thrown, you know, almost into a certain course. Well, he made that statement, and then, you know, the dirt sheets and the rumor mill went into overdrive. Does it mean it'll take place in Elimination Chamber? you know, taking place here in a couple of weeks. Is mm-hmm. it, it going to take place at WrestleMania this year? Is it going to take place at the next Saudi show? Is it going to take place at our future WrestleMania? You know, and then, Co- like you said, Cody won the Rumble, and it's like, oh, okay, well, it's not happening this year. Yeah. So the fans... Revolted. Revolted, to put it mildly. Uh-huh. Because, obviously, finishing the story has meant so much. Cody has been on TV so long. Mm-hmm. You know, pushing this whole narrative about the story and, and what it means to him. And he's won over the fans. He is the biggest baby face in pro wrestling. Uh, between any of the companies, yes. Yeah. So fans are now locked into the story, which this is pro wrestling at its finest, folks. Mm-hmm. When you can lock in fans to a storyline mm-hmm. to this level. Mm-hmm. Albeit, though. The toxicity that some are having about this. Uh huh. You guys get the official GFY. Yeah, uh, like to the folks, and and I'd say give the disclaimer, but no, you you toxic ones need to hear this. Mm-hmm. If you voiced your concerns to the official WWE accounts, I got no issues with that. That's that's fine. Sure. You know whoever runs those accounts, because it's certainly not Triple H. It's certainly not Nick Khan. It's certainly not Ari Emanuel or anybody in the higher echelons of TKO or WWE. It's it's some intern or some low rung employee who's on the social media team. You know, if you're if you're throwing shots at them, hashtag we want Cody, because that trended in various forms on Twitter for three goddamn days. Yep. And I and it might still be trending. I haven't looked today. You know, but if if you're sending messages and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, Blue Sky, YouTube, whatever, 
I got no issues with that. Like, that's just something that, like, they get diluted with messages every single day. They can just ignore that. Where I draw the line and I take issue with is the people sending messages to, like, Kofi Kingston mm-hmm. and to Sami Zayn. And, and you know, there was this, the... The Rock's daughter? The, the Rock's daughter who got death threats yeah. because of what is going on in storyline. Uh, newsflash, folks, she's got nothing to do with this. This is like if your favorite... Uh, pizza chain and i'm not talking like a mom and pop place i'm talking like a pizza hut or a domino's or a caesar's or papa john's or whatever decided to take off your favorite item off of that off of their menu and this can go for any ch- national chain you know mcdonald's burger king taco bell whatever if your favorite fast food place or national chain food place decided to take off your favorite item off their menu this is like going into your local store in bitching and complaining and throwing a fit at the person working the counter. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, that person at the counter has nothing to do with the decisions made at a corporate level. The Rock's daughter has nothing to do with the decisions made for WrestleMania. Yeah, I get in storyline, she's the quote-unquote GM for NXT. Is she actually doing the booking decisions and, and picking who goes on the matches in what order? No. It's just there for storyline purposes. Going after her is a fucking line that should never be crossed, and making death threats to her is a line that should never be crossed, period. The other lines, like I said, that shouldn't be crossed are if you're going after Kofi Kingston, Sami Zayn, Ricochet, or even the folks that were tweeting at the WWE shop account saying, I ordered a insert wrestler, a bunch of wrestlers were named, and I got a Rock t-shirt instead. Can you help me out? You're wasting somebody's time. You're wasting, you know, effort and money and all this other stuff and shouting into the void and just being dicks. I got no issues, like I said, if like, if you complained or sent something to the official accounts or on the YouTube page or whatever. But stop going after the wrestlers who have literally nothing to do with it. Well, the whole problem is fans have become entitled. Mm-hmm. And... Instead of sitting there and enjoying the product, which is entertainment. Yeah, it's two grown-ass men wrestling in their underwear, fighting for a fake belt at the end of the day. It's a business of entertainment. Uh Uh-huh. So their job is to get a reaction out of you. And to make money. And to make money. Now, Cody is a very popular wrestler. Yeah, he is. He has earned his spot. There is no question about it that he does bring in a lot of money for the company. Look at look at how the uh, live shows have been doing mm-hmm. ever since his rise to the top of the baby faces. And in comparison, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is arguably one of Hollywood's biggest movie stars. Financially, yes. He draws in a certain audience mm-hmm. to the product that Cody does not. I've had people talking to me who I never speak to about wrestling, asking me, is The Rock really back? Mm -hmm. Is he actually going to wrestle again? I haven't watched in years. I used to watch when I was a kid. I've had this in various forms over the last five days. Yeah. Where it's like, I haven't watched, you know, since I was a kid and The Rock was big and Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels and all that. But like, is The Rock really coming back? Is he really going to wrestle? And if you don't want an example of why they brought him back, that's it right there. TKO and WWE are a business. Yes, they're there to entertain you. Yes, they're there to perform a fo- uh, provide a form of entertainment to you. At the end of the day, though, they need to make a make a pretty buck. 
they need to make a pretty dollar and a pretty penny. Yeah. And bringing in, you know, obviously they're going to have Ken and myself and Rich and Dog and everybody else there uh, from the, the, you know, the 607 podcast family watching. We're, we're the easy ones. We're the ones they ain't got to worry about and don't have to concern themselves with. Are we going to watch or not? Mm-hmm. The ones they have to bring in are maybe the lapsed fan who hasn't watched in a few years, whether it be life or work or some other reason that they don't watch anymore. And they got to figure out how can we get those folks who haven't watched in a while or have been turned tuned off the last couple of years for one reason or another. How do we get them back in? How do we, how do we get them to tune their eye in for at least one night, maybe both nights if, if they so choose. Mm-hmm. And then to go, Hey, you know what? I enjoyed what I liked. I'm going to start dipping my toe back in this. I'm going to start checking out, you know, Monday night raw again. And I'm, I'm going to start checking out SmackDown and maybe from there let's see where it goes. Well, the whole thing is WWE is now owned by TKO Endeavor. Uh-huh. It's a new day. It's a new regime. They're focused on the dollar. Yeah. And if they feel the rock will draw them more money, uh-huh. they have the right to do this. Uh-huh. But the one thing is, I think the powers that be at WWE are obviously telling a bigger story. Oh, I do too. And I think for everybody that is losing their minds about this mm-hmm. and thinks that, you know, Cody is is being attacked and we have to defend him and all that stuff. In the immortal words of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> R-E-L-A-X. The thing, I'd Relax. Like, the thing I'd like to point out, too, is we're not even a solid week removed from this. And obviously, we'll find out more tomorrow as we record because they've got the press conference event taking place in Las Vegas and to everyone wondering, well, why is it in Las Vegas? Maybe they're going to announce WrestleMania at Las Vegas next year. Uh, no folks, the Super Bowl is going, I realize there's some folks whose bubble doesn't extend past WWE. So I'm going to give those folks a peek behind the curtain because you need your eyes opened. Mm-hmm. There's a little event taking place in Las Vegas this Sunday that we talked about last segment. It's called the Super Bowl. Uh, it is the number one most watched televised event in, in North America every year, like politics and award shows and TV events aside, it is the most watched event on the calendar every year. And this year, making no exception because of the whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing Mm -hmm. and, and the rumors surrounding that and what potentially may or may not happen on the field should things play out one way or another. But so there's gonna be a lot of folks tuned into that. And there is a lot of media, if not every media outlet in North America and half of the planet in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. So why the hell would you have the press conference in Philadelphia where the show's taking place when you can literally just fly who you need to Las Vegas and all of the press are right there and they can take, I don't know how long the event's going to be, maybe an hour, maybe two out of their day to bring them in and do a press conference. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. The other thing I want to point out is, like I said, we're not even a week removed from this. They've not said who's taking on who. Mm -hmm. You know, it's implied, and everyone's jumped off of the deep end and gone to, oh, my God, it's going to be Rock versus Roman. They've not said who's taking on who. And this isn't me trying to take some copium and and try to work myself back. Oh, no, it's going to be Cody versus Roman. I, I realize the reports are out there that, WWE is paying attention to the reaction and they're seeing all the stuff online and, and how the, the reaction uh, on Monday night raw where Rocky sucks chance surprised them. But I just want to point out from this purely factual basis, they've not said who's taking on who Bailey came out on the same show 
And, and there was the whole confrontation breakdown between her and damage control. And they put a graphic up mm-hmm. saying she's going to be taking on EO Sky at WrestleMania for that championship. We had this whole thing. There's been multiple WWE shows. There's been multiple WWE house shows. Mm-hmm. There's been the bump has been live streamed. I don't know how many times, once or twice or whatever. At no point have they put up a graphic saying Roman Reigns versus The Rock for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Could it be The Rock versus Roman? Sure. Could it be a triple threat? Sure. Could it be Roman versus Cody and The Rock as special guest referee? That's also true. But to jump to conclusions and act like the sky is falling and and start reacting in a way that's like they insulted your ancestors and insulted your entire family, you know, is just so far beyond and so unneeded. Yeah, I mean, it's just foolish to think that fans are taking this so personal. Yeah. And they're not letting the story play out. I mean, has, is, is Triple H batting a thousand in every decision he's made? You know, for his NXT run and his his main roster run, has Head Booker been perfect? No, he's he's certainly had some issues and he's certainly had some hiccups and some gaffes. But has in in my eyes, and I know you feel the exact same way. And I know Rich from Three FN feels the same way. In our eyes, he's bought enough leeway that we're like, all right, this is a really weird and convoluted way to go about things. Mm-hmm. But we're as the kids like to say, let him cook. We're well, we're gonna see how things play out and then make the judgment call. Exactly. I mean, you have to realize how many weeks we are away from WrestleMania itself. Uh huh. There's a whole event that's happening in Perth, Australia. Yeah. Called the Elimination Chamber. Uh huh. That could dictate a lot of things. Yep. So the outrage that the IWC is having, and I'm just laughing that the eight percent, as it's been broken down into, is having this much of a field day. Oh my god, all up in their feels over the unknown. It's hysterical in one aspect. And it's, it's sad. Mind, it's mind blowing in another. It's sad in my eyes because I like to go to Squared Circle subreddit and I like to peruse it. I don't always post. I don't always comment, comment, but I like reading stuff. I like seeing what people are saying. Mm-hmm. There was a solid seventy-two hours after the whole Rock appearance on. SmackDown appeared occurred that I couldn't even go to it just because of the the reactions people were having. Like Sami Zayn came out and made a statement, and people were tr- dragging Sami for saying what he said and, and trashing Sami. Mm-hmm. And and Ricochet came out and said what he said that listen he you know he he said he, he's a huge Cody Rhodes fan. Just ask Samantha Irvin, his fiance. But he he said how he realized just how toxic the IWC is and people started dragging his ass. And then he had to explain to folks. He's like, listen, folks, in case I didn't need to explain it, but I do hashtag. We want Cody. Well, the whole point is when you're on social media, I mean, this kind of goes for everything. There's these two beautiful buttons. It's called mute. It's called block. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you use that. If you have people saying anything that you don't want to see. And, and for me, so the, the, some of the toxic ones behind the whole we want Cody thing, you're not at Zack Snyder, uh, Zack Snyder cut levels for me, but God damn it, you're right there. You're number two. Well, the whole point. You're close. The whole point is they're rallying around that because usually there's another federation they you know that they usually go pretty hard for, and, yeah. and there's not a lot to say right there because WWE has a lot of momentum. That is my opinion of this. Could be. I'm allowed to make that opinion. And I think that now they're circling around this where 
is foolish to kind of rally against it because guess what? You've they don't even realize what they've done. You're now giving press time uh-huh. to WWE, the free. federation you don't like and don't want to watch. Free press. You're giving them rent-free space. Congratulations. You like you congratulations. You got we want Cody and Cody Rhodes trending for like three days mm-hmm. after Friday. How many news stations and how many websites and how many fans, casual or otherwise, picked up on this story that otherwise wouldn't have known if y'all didn't go rabid and go nuts? And how big is that press conference going to be now? Oh, it's going to be huge. That before it was just going to be a flash in the pan. It was. It, you'd have your usual suspects, you know, from the dirt sheets and the wrestling sites. Mm-hmm. ESPN would be there. Fox Sports would be there. Um, you know, I'm sure AP would be there, too. Maybe a couple news stations, you know, ABC, CNN, whoever else. You know, but now, Christ, everyone's going to be there. Everyone's going to watch. It's going to be. It's good. You're going to have some viral clips go around, too. Oh, yeah. And I just can't wait to see the reactions because everybody's going to go on TikTok and, and have the their moment there i would say 15 minutes but it's more like 15 seconds because mm-hmm. no music either yeah that you know you're gonna say okay what i was right because when it gets revealed probably the cody is going to be wrestling night two and roman's wrestling night one uh rock is i mean like i say they have so many possibilities they can do if they want to tease this out which you know at this rate don't say it until after perth yeah no just tease it enough because guess what you have everybody watching. I'm sure the buy rate for this, if they ever tried charging for this, Jesus. is going to be through the roof. If any, massive. If anybody doesn't have the Peacock subscription service, they're going to have it by the time WrestleMania hits. Absolutely. And you know who wins at the end of the day? It's TKO Endeavor. Yeah, well, and NBC Universal. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be rolling in the cash about this because the internet is losing their mind and now has given them so much free publicity. Oh, yeah. It's funny to see happen. Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing. I will agree with some folks online. If it ends up being it's just The Rock saying he's going to be special guest referee, this is a weird, long, convoluted way to get to it. But, hey, is what it is. You know, do I understand where they're going? No. Am I jumping off of a cliff, freaking out? Oh, my God, I don't like this. I don't get this. What are we doing? No, I'm sitting here going, all right, let's let this play out. Let's see where this goes and then react accordingly. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do as wrestling fans. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. It's like trying to make a cake with only three quarters of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Your cake's going to suck. Yeah. that's we, a, you, you, we don't have all the, the ingredients for this cake. We got to let the cake, we got to get those ingredients, bake it, and then let it sit. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest thing to do. In the meantime, throw up your hashtags if you want to be positive about it. But at the end of the day, uh, I think I can speak uh, for a lot of fans and just say thanks for giving the attention to WWE because that's my favorite Fed. Mm-hmm. Because that's a, that's what a lot of them are saying right now. So if you don't really feel that way, quit giving them free advertising and just sit back and be a fan and let it play out. That being said, this is up on that hashtag hashtag ODPHPod. You want Cody? Are you going to get him? Let's have those positive conversations, folks. Because that's what we talk here at Wrestling on the ODPH. And if you want even more talk about that, every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Nerd Initiative, social streaming, and YouTube, join in the conversation for Wrestling Night Live. Because I guarantee you, we're going to have instant reaction to that press conference this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. I'd, I'd bet on it. And we're going to have something to say about it as well. And then we're just going to be sitting back and enjoying the show. Because that is what you're supposed to do as wrestling fans. That said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad... What you got? Got a couple things to talk about, first of which is obviously the local minute. And looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that is, of course, the league our local Binghamton Black Bears play in and the Empire Division. Another week, first place for the Binghamton Black Bears. Let's go. Uh, Sitting in first place after 32 games played, they have a record of 22 wins in regulation, three losses, uh, six losses in overtime or shootout, uh, no overtime wins, but in one shootout win. Uh, They have 74 points and they're ahead of Motor City in second place with 57 points, Danbury in third place with 48 points, Watertown in fourth place with 35 points, and Elmira in last place with only 28 points. Excuse me. Looking at their schedule from this past week, they had just the one game they played where it was back on, I believe it was uh, Friday, uh, February 2nd, where they, let me scroll down here, page decided to reload itself. Uh, They won by the final score of 6-3 against the Motor City Rockers. Uh, Looking ahead to their schedule, they have this week two games. uh, Both of them are on the road. uh, Excuse me, three games this weekend. Uh, All three of them are on the road. Uh, Friday, February 9th at 7.35 p.m. Eastern, they are on the road playing the Motor City Rockers. Uh, Saturday, February 10th at 6.05 p.m. Eastern. They're back. They're still on the road playing the Motor City Rockers. Uh, and then Sunday, February 11th at 1 o'clock Eastern. Don't know the last time I've ever seen an afternoon start time for uh, some minor league hockey, but hey, there it is. Uh, They're playing the Elmira River Sharks. Hmm. Uh, They return home, in case you're curious, on Friday, February 23rd, 7 o'clock Eastern against the Watertown Wolves. Uh, For more tickets, information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, then we got to talk a little World Cup news because the World Cup, oh. the World Cup in 2026, is coming to North America, uh, specifically uh, the Canada, the United States, and New Mexico uh, and Mexico. Venues got announced uh, just this past week. Some of them, and the venues are as follows: uh, in Vancouver, BC, uh, BC Place, uh, and then in Toronto, BMO Field. Uh, in uh, Mexico, you have uh, Estrad Atkin in Guatemala. Uh, and then Estadio uh, uh, Bova uh, Bacomer, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names, that, that is in uh, Monterey. And then the Estadio Azteca, you know, the famous uh, stadium down there in Mexico City. Uh, that is hosting the games for the United States. You've got Lumen Field in Seattle, uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, NRG Stadium in Houston, Levi Stadium in San Francisco, uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. MetLife Stadium in uh, New York slash New Jersey. The Link. Lincoln Financial Field in uh, Philly. God, fucking World Cup in Philly. That, oh. that, oh, that's going to be a whole mess of crazy. Yep. Gillette Stadium up in Boston. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. And the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So, summer soccer in Miami. God help whoever's the visiting team in that stadium. Uh, if you know, you know. Uh, but the four, uh, and then the final uh, will be taking final World Cup final will be taking place at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Uh, it was chosen over SoFi Stadium in LA and AT&T Stadium in Dallas. So whoever's in the, the World Cup final going to be playing the game in MetLife Stadium in Jersey. So that makes uh, MetLife Stadium the first stadium on the planet to host the Super Bowl, host a WrestleMania, and host a World Cup. That's a big honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to be a little bit of a different format from years past. Uh, so the format for this upcoming World C- uh, Cup, 12 groups of four teams, three games played per team, 
top two uh, teams in each group go through automatically, and the eight best place, third place uh, teams progress. Uh, so then you will you got 13 games taking place in Canada, 78 games taking place in the United States, uh, 13 games taking place in Mexico. That for a total of 104 games played, which is up from the 64 games played in the previous World Cup format. Uh, this matches start in I want to say it's like June, late June, mid, mid to late June, and then go through July. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but coming in 2026, so we got a little bit of time. World Cup is always fun to watch. I will yeah. say that. Like I'm not the biggest soccer guy. Yeah. In, in, but I will watch the World Cup. Absolutely. And to have it here in the States, that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll have to maybe have a pads, odds on favorite show okay. for that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, then we got to talk the other football, American football, uh, because it was announced today by the folks over at ESPN that uh, they're getting a new analyst on College Game Day. You might have heard of this dude, some guy named Nick Saban. Oh, so reading from the article on ESPN.com, it says, quote, Nick Saban, who retired last month as head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide after 17 seasons, is ready to go back to work. One of the most accomplished coaches in college football history with seven national championships. Saban will be joining ESPN. It was announced Wednesday. Saban, 72, will primarily serve as an analyst on ESPN's college game day and will also lend his expertise across ESPN platforms to a variety of events including the NFL Draft and SEC Media Days. Quote, ESPN and College Game Day have played such an important role in the growth of college football, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to join their team, Saban said in a statement. I'll do my best to offer additional insights and perspectives to contribute to College Game Day, the ultimate Saturday tradition for college football fans, close quote. Great hire for ESPN. Absolutely. His knowledge of the college game, uh-huh. and I want to emphasize that, the college game mm-hmm. is extremely high. Uh-huh. So that'll be fun to watch him. Uh, you know, like I say, huge win for ESPN. Saban and McAfee on the same show on a weekly basis. That could basis. get interesting. Woo-hoo. That could be fun. That's going to be wild. Uh, then we got to switch a little bit of baseball news. Uh, things are getting ugly between the Oakland Athletics and Las Vegas. Oh, my God. So, excuse me, uh... Well, it sounds like the Las Vegas mayor is not a fan of this whole move and thinks they ought to stay in the, the Bay Area. Reading from an article on ESPN.com, it says, quote, Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman isn't exactly extending a warm embrace to the Oakland Athletics, who plan to build a $1.5 billion stadium in her city. In fact, Goodman said the team's stadium plan, quote, does not make sense uh, close quote, and that A's ownership should go back to the drawing board and pitch a new plan in the Bay Area. Quote, I personally think the A's have got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true, Goodman told the Front Office Sports Today podcast, which was released Tuesday. Goodman took to social media later Tuesday to add context to her comments and said she was excited about the prospect of Major League Baseball in her city, uh, though she didn't back off her statement that Oakland and the A's should try to make their relationship work in a perfect world. She added, quote, should that fail, Las Vegas has shown that it is a spectacular market for Major League Sports franchises. Close quote. The A's ballpark is planned for a nine acre parcel on the Las Vegas Strip, and Goodman said the congestion makes the site less attractive than a larger site in North Las Vegas, which she proposed. However, the mayor and the city do not have jurisdiction over the Strip, which falls under the oversight of Clark County. Quote, there are a lot of questions about where, uh, <clears throat> whether that's going to fit, Goodman told the podcast about plans for the site. And A's jo- owner, John Fisher, has drawn the ire of Las Vegas locals for faring, failing to share revised artist renderings to show just how it'll be situated on the lot. 
Fisher's plan is to finish the park in time for the 2028 season and leave the cavernous and worn out Coliseum in Oakland, the fifth oldest stadium in the major leagues, after the team's lease runs out for following the 2024 season. The team has yet to secure a facility for the interim three seasons. Close quote. Well, <laughs> I mean, we know Las Vegas residents aren't thrilled about it. No, but at the same time, if they want to be taken seriously as a sports city, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense to put it on the strip. Yeah. It might not be ideal. Right. It might be a, you know, a headache at times. Pain in the you know where. But let's face it. If you're on the strip, you're making moves. I mean, and plus you want the tourism yeah. to go to games. Yeah. So I understand that aspect. I also understand what they're saying residence-wise. It's going to be a nightmare driving. Mm-hmm. It's gridlock hell. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a big win, though. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand about the you know skepticism. Sure. But at the same time, I like I say, they've really made a push to become a real sports town. Right. And, I mean, it's worked out beautifully for the Golden Knights, which came there organically. Mm-hmm. You know, the Raiders, a yeah, little bit of a mixed bag. Sure. You, you know, it's... With the fans there, more often than not, it's other teams' fans in there a little bit more than Raider fans. I'm not saying it's SoFi levels with the Chargers, but you know, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, you know, but it, but still, there's a there's a noticeable contingent at Raiders games of the other teams' fans. Mm-hmm. And then and then Oakland, just everything from the start of this, like when it was initially they're like, oh, Las Vegas is going to get a Major League Baseball franchise. Everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're all for this. And then it was Oakland, and it was the Athletics, and everyone's kind of like turned sour on the whole thing. They're like it, they don't want the A's, but they want a team, a new team there. Well, I mean, let's face it: if you're if you're a baseball fan, true and true, mm-hmm. Oakland is the A's. Yeah, I mean, you've grown. No matter where you've been, you've grown up with the A's. Yeah, and the, it doesn't matter what your and team I, and is. I'm sure you can talk to the Oakland city government about getting a new thing in Oakland. Right. Which, hey, thanks, Mark Davis, or Al, excuse me, Al Davis, for what you did to the Coliseum. I've seen what that stadium used to look like, and that was gorgeous until you fucking destroyed it. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. When you want to pay to play, so to speak, and, yeah. that, and that's the thing. In this market, you have to build new stadiums. Mm-hmm. You have to really raise your games up. And mm-hmm. if, if the residents don't want to do it or you know the powers that be that don't want to do it, whatever the case is, yeah. It's a problem because at, as much as we love sports, it also is followed by a big B word, mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. And if business ain't booming, then there's problems. You know what would help the team? Putting a winning team on the field. Well, And I'm not saying win the World Series, but shit, put something competitive on there. Right, which, I mean, listen, we, we could have a whole show breaking that down <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then some concerning. You want, you want If you're not a baseball fan or, or an Oakland fan – Go to YouTube. I know, I'm pretty sure I know it's on, on TikTok. I know it's on Instagram, but like you can probably find it on YouTube. There was a guy who went to an Oakland A's game. It was either this past season or one prior, and he walked around the concourse of the stadium until he could find a current player on the Oakland A's and find somebody wearing their jersey. Mm-hmm. And they circled the entire stadium for like 45 minutes to an hour before they finally found somebody. You know, and then they, they found the Jason Giambi jerseys and they found the Ricky Henderson jerseys, the Dan Heron jerseys and the Barry Zito jerseys, Coco Crisp, and certainly a lot of players who played for that team in the past. Mm. But they literally had to, and, and custom jerseys with the pre- people's own name in them, but they literally had to circle the stadium, which is a pretty damn sizable stadium, let's be honest, Yeah, for, all, for up to an hour before they could find somebody current 
on a jersey somebody was wearing. Puts just put a semi-competitive team on the on the field. Well, that, that, that would help. Well, I mean, it would help. I mean, Oakland and and that subject. It, uh, I'll just say, watch the movie Moneyball. Yeah, that kind of sums it up. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not meaning that with anything behind it either. Yeah, but that's just how they do their business, which they have the right to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, then one more baseball story, and one that caught me out of left field, but it's uh, certainly interesting. Uh, it was this was announced by the folks over at Netflix of all places, uh, and they're going. The Netflix is going to have a film crew follow the Boston Red Sox for the entire 2024 season. Interesting. Uh, reading from an article on MLB.com, it says, "Quote: The 2024 season will be one in which the Red Sox will allow viewers worldwide a rare chance to sneak behind." the curtain and see what the grind of a major league season is all about. It was announced on Wednesday that Netflix in conjunction with MLB studios will have unprecedented access to follow the 2024 Red Sox from start to finish. That access will turn into a docu-series that will debut in 2025. This marks the first time Netflix has followed an MLB team over the course of a full season. Netflix will have behind the scenes access to players, coaches, and, and executives from spring training through the end of the 24 season. The process started back in 2021 as more of a broad discussion between Netflix, Major League Baseball, and the leaders of Red Sox ownership group about an opportunity to grow the reach of baseball. Uh, quote, it wasn't necessarily going to be about the Red Sox. It was just more of the importance of getting baseball into the, this medium, these sort of doc series and global platform opportunities, said Red Sox chief marketing officer Adam Grossman. Uh, close quote. So the other thing they're going to do with this is, uh, along with the series, there's also going to be a docu series on the 2004 Red Sox, which I'm not going to watch for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. I understand why it's getting made, you know, 20 year anniversary and all that. But this whole Netflix hard knocks, whatever you want to call it, series, uh, they're going to be doing with the Boston Red Sox. I might give this a shot. I might give this a watch just because you hear a lot about the grind behind the scenes of Major League Baseball season and everything that goes into a season, but you don't really often see it. It could, could be interesting. I can't. Reasons. Oh, I understand. Reasons. But let me talk about happier things that make me want to talk about sports. And that's the Rangers. Hell yeah. Coming back from the All-Star break, which, I mean, let's face it, now is the time that we're really going to see some moving and shaking going on. Rangers have been putting together a couple wins. I mean, obviously hey. defeating the Ottawa Senators 7-2 and then having a great overtime win against Colorado uh, a couple nights ago. They're back in business. And they really got to put some stuff together. Like I say, mm-hmm. uh, this will be a very interesting time of year. But I think that they have enough pieces they can really get rocking and rolling and make a deep run. And it really starts now because as we're recording, they got Tampa Bay tonight. Ooh. So that'll be the Wednesday night game of the week as far as I'm concerned. And with Carolina coming up right behind them in the Metropolitan Division, they really got to step it up. They're only a couple points ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But Philly had a collapse, in my opinion. Like, they yeah. had a bad losing streak. So they can sneak away with the division if they really play their cards right, but they got to have some consistent play. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really kind of getting the stretch there because, like I say, with the Rangers, it's always, you know, are, is it going to be their time? Is it going to be their year? Yeah, we'll see. And that's and that's the whole thing because they, they are built to win now. If they can pull it off, it's a great thing to do. Yes. And then, obviously – we got to go there because, like I say, they ended the All-Star right before the All-Star game with a win. They started back up mm-hmm. with a win. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep those wins going until we bring home the cup because it's Blue Shirt Nation all day, every day here on the ODPH. And also, I'd like to see them win a title in my lifetime that I'll actually remember. 
because when they won their last one, I was far too young to remember anything about it. So I'd like to have memories of them actually winning, you know, when I can remember them. I tell you, the only thing that would be better is if the Knicks pull it off and win the NBA championship. New York would not survive if the Knicks win the championship. Anything is possible. Oh, it's no, it's true. But like, just New York is not ready for that. Mm-hmm. Like, like when Philly won the title uh, in the in the NFL a couple years ago, similar similar instances. Yes, but if the Knicks can do it, they're playing really good ball right now. Even though Julius Randle is out. Uh, for a couple weeks with that uh, dislocated shoulder, I believe. Uh, yeah, I heard something. About I know that. it's a shoulder injury. I just yeah. the severity is escaping me as I'm recording right now. But it is near the trade deadline. I'm just making sure, like keeping my fingers crossed, they don't do anything super egregious. Okay. And they're definitely it's still in the mix. They were in the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, now they're in the fourth because of record. Okay. But they're five and a half games back okay. of Boston. Cleveland is right ahead of them, too, but it's only by a game. Okay. And then they're tied with Milwaukee right now, which Ooh. how crazy is that to say? Yeah. But the craziest stat, which I don't think you know, Pad. Probably not. Who is the number one seed in the Western Conference right now? Oh, son of a... Oh, Oklahoma City. No. Oh, shit. Okay. The Clippers. Oh, really? Came out of nowhere. Hmm. I think Oklahoma City was number one a couple days ago. Because I, th- I I turned on SportsCenter one morning, and they were talking about it, and I think they were a couple of days ago. Yeah, like it's crazy to see the Clippers finally got it on track. Well, hey, it's it's much like Russell Westbrook said, you know, when he got traded to the Clippers. He said, once we figure this out, it's going to be scary. Yeah, and it truly is now, so now they put it together. Can they maintain it? It's anybody's guess. I mean, obviously. Oh, can you imagine them winning a title in Staples Center before they leave for their own place? Oh, that'd be amazing. It'd be insane. Because you go to a Lakers game, good luck finding any acknowledgement that the Clippers play there. Yeah. Like, anything to do with them gets covered up. Yeah. That'd be wild. Because it's all about L.A. This is true. As it should be. But a lot of basketball is getting ready to be had. The trade deadline is, is, like I said, vastly approaching. We'll be talking about that on next week's episode. In the meantime, though, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That is it for this week in sports. So for the one and only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Such wasted time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up Talk to me time fable everyone has just one true love all i know is you're across this table and you're all i'm thinking of 
So look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know